You ready for this? I'm ready. A surfeit of rulers. Surfeit is defined as an excessive amount of something. All men are sinners, the fathers of the faith teach us. Even the noblest of kings and the most chivalrous of knights may find themselves overcome by rage and lust and envy and commit acts that shame them and tarnish their good names. And the vilest of men and the wickedest of women likewise may do good from time to time, for love and compassion and pity may be found in even the blackest of hearts. We are as the gods made us, wrote Septon Barth, the wisest man ever to serve as hand of the king, strong and weak, good and bad, cruel and kind, heroic and selfish. Know that if you would rule over the kingdoms of men. All I wrote in my notes is, let's go in all caps. What a way to start the chapter. <laughs> I didn't write this, but I was thinking it as you read it. Not your Harris. <laughs> right? Our little perfect boy. Our little perfect boy who's just like MIA on Dragonstone getting swole, mm-hmm. working on his fitness, mm-hmm. and maybe or maybe not sleeping with women that are being sent to him by the hand of the king. Mm-hmm. And hanging out with this bestie while all these... Not sleeping with her. Not sleeping with her. Reportedly. But sleeping, as we learned last chapter, close enough, pushing the boundaries. Mm -hmm. He's just over here just having himself a good time. That's called soaking, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they're over there soaking. Soaking it up in Dragonstone (laughs) to Harris and Alessandre. What did you think about about, uh, Rogar sending or not sending? those women to and, and whether or not the one whether or not Corianne Wilde was the only one sent focus right. on her last name right 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 <laughs> spelled W-Y-L-D-E do you know what I think is funny about her okay Wildy. wait I'll answer, wait, I'll answer a question after this, but I think what's funny about her is there's all these different versions of that story and mm-hmm. what may or may have happened. Yeah. And one of the versions is like, well, she was just trying to teach Jaharis how to essentially please or eventually please his his own wife. Right. That was a good she, one. She was just trying like really hard to kind of open his eyes and make sure that. Well, he's training to be a good fighter. Why not? Also, That's while true. you're at Dragonstone <laughs> getting swole, he gets swole in different ways, both figuratively That's and true. not so figuratively. That's true. I mean, in seriously. multiple ways. I just thought that that was kind of funny the way they framed that. This is the most likely option. He probably didn't have a good yeah. time. He's just yeah. learning about it, you know? Right. George really thought about all that. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, Jaharis is technically still underage at this point, which is one of the Forbidden Four. So right. George is really good at talking about the sexuality or potential sexuality of those that are underage mm-hmm. in the world of Westra. So, good for you, George. But I think, <laughs> regardless of that, I think Rogar's plan, well, obviously, Rogar's, Rogar's plan did not work. He was kind of the star of the chapter in yeah, terms of his downfall. Like his, the basically the unwinding of Rogar Baratheon. It's kind of sad. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. He handled it pretty well, I thought, within context, other than the... Uh, Until he didn't. The uh, or Oris stuff that he sent in the background. I don't think... Was it Oris or that he sent? Oren. Other than other than him sending Oren to Old Town to mm-hmm. go try to kidnap Arya slash Rayla. Right. His little, was, like, unwinding at the end there. But Yeah, I thought it was, for the most part, not so catastrophic or... I mean, I guess it just says more about how he doesn't really have the spine enough to be the guy that he always wanted to be, the guy that was able to face Magor in single combat. You know, he was really, I guess, set up to be the person that was able to have some kind of power and to command some kind of respect enough to be in the position that he's in, but ultimately not be able to do it on his own. So he's using these Targaryen props, these like uh, little action figures to gain him the ability to get that power while he keeps some of the respect and I guess loses it as we read in the eyes of someone like Jaharis and who knows everyone else at the time that we didn't get full context of and I don't think we really got a lot of context either about how Alyssa really felt about him deep down other than until the end until the end but even then it was like after he really spoke out right she's like she is pretty good I guess all the Targaryens really except the ones in the greatest position of power the ones that have dragons you could say um, are pretty good at playing the political game, mm-hmm. like knowing how to play the political game a little bit better than everyone else, maybe minus the uh, the Lannisters at this right. point. We only really get Reyna's feelings on her man. She's like, he's nice. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> he's just kind of a nice guy. Yeah. That's why I like him. Before we start recording, you said there's so much that happened in this chapter. And so uh, quick apologies to everyone listening if you're looking for us. Because what I wanted to do was uh, 
I was going to say, if you're looking for us to focus on one topic for a long stretch of time, because what I want to do just now is start talking about the book that was uh, yeah. passed from hand to hand and rewritten almost like a like a biblical text, mm-hmm. a book of love, mm-hmm. if you will, The Sins of the Flesh. I forget the other name for it, but uh, now I want to talk about Raina and Andrew Farman and Mark Farman and Franklin Farman. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like George R. R. Martin Franklin kind Farman. of did the same thing because— well, and so I really like that part of this so chapter. So many points in the chapter. He's like, okay, well, now we're going to pause we're on this. heading back east to and King's I, Landing. Yeah, I want to talk about something different. Yeah, I wanted to fun. go into something. I thought that was an interesting mm-hmm. way to weave. And maybe that's why it felt like this chapter was kind of chaotic is because we were just bouncing from story plotline to plotline mm-hmm. to plotline. One queen to one queen to one queen. Right, which I think was highlighting what he was essentially trying to say in yeah. this chapter, which is... A surfeit. is all happening at once. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah, it's all happening at once. Everybody has opinions, strong opinions. And I feel like everybody came out of this relatively unscathed, regardless of... I think Rogar is the one who really lost the most in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Well, and Alyssa, too. She was pretty devastated by the end. Yeah, yeah. She, like, dismissed herself in public life, but... Aside from the two yeah, of them, a bummer. which I guess are pretty star players, players like nobody died. You know what I mean? I yeah. think, I think that uh, things could have played out much worse for every single one of these people. I mean, with Rainera, with Alyssa, Raina. with what? Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's what <all> begins <laughs> with Raina and Alyssa. Um, I think any of them could have easily, you know, been killed in the positions that they put themselves in this Mm. chapter, but everybody remained relatively unscathed despite the chaos. And so I think that, to your point, George did a really good job of bringing that to life as we bounced around. Yeah, and it made it all feel like it was happening at the same time. Like it's almost, this chapter is almost an episode of a TV show, even though it had the same sort of... uh, the, the the a lot of the narrative release context where it was just releasing it, telling it to us rather than experiencing it. Obviously, as we do in a Song of Ice and Fire, or as we have in some of the uh, a few of the other more specific chapters um, in in Fire and Blood so far, definitely not like the first one, which was like the the Silmarillion esque biblical context of and then Aegon and so his boring. sisters. Really? Well, looking back now, but compared to this, for yeah. sure, because this had like the hustle and flow of it. <laughs> But there was a good mixture of it, but not a lot, not really a lot of dialogue, just like cut-ins. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really felt the presence of uh, Gildane and Septon Barth in this, for sure. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, um, speaking of getting names right, we should tell everyone that we're going to be presenting and being at and attending uh, Ice and Fire Con. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> in a month now. At um, reading it here at the top of my notes. This is going to be the only time I use my notes. I just have it set in my uh, my Maps app where I'm driving. Smart. <laughs> so I'm gonna. This is <laughs> the town up. name. <laughs> I only know it um, from the from the lodge slash state park that it's in. But here's the name of the town. It's in Mount Sterling, Ohio, April 21st through 24th at Deer Creek Lodge. And just so you all know, there is a pool that has the name of the lodge painted at the bottom of the pool. What a relief, It says honestly. Deer Creek Lodge in the pool. I think there's antlers. Like what there's, a relief. There's sigil. Yeah. And there's a hot tub. And there's a gym. What else is there? There's cabins. Uh, it's pet friendly. And uh, that's where Ice and Fire Con is going to be in a month. I'm so excited. I've never been to Ice and Fire Con. And so this is my first one. And we're going to have a really good time. Yeah. We're going to throw a party. Yep. Details TBD, mm-hmm. TBA, and we're going to be on a bunch of panels. Can we say the name of the party? I can't say it in uh, a different language, but we can say it in English. Or should we wait to let's say wait. it in the, a different language? Yeah, okay. let's wait. Got it. Party details are a Bruin, and come hang out with us. It's going to be a really good time. Yeah, if, if you do uh, end up coming, use uh, your, uh, I think there's a, I think there might still be a checkout uh, like code sections so they know that you came from us we don't get paid for it but it helps them like I guess know if they want to invite us back next year right. <laughs> <laughs> how much sway do you yeah have? like how many people are actually coming to see you guys at that convention uh, I think it's just goo I actually looked at it look for it in our email because the, we've had to because of COVID this mm-hmm. uh, this this con has been canceled a few times or rather rescheduled a few times so I I couldn't find our promo code, but I'm pretty sure it's goo. And if it's not goo, you could just put goo in there. And I think that Tara will understand that it was meant for us because <laughs> there's not other, a lot of other shows out there. Or people come to the con selling tickets uh, with the word goo in it. 
so let's get names right. Or at least try to get names right at that well, point. While we're at the con? Yeah. Nah, it's going to nah. be even worse there. Yeah, no. Nah. It's so hard. It Although, is hard. honestly, I'm really proud of us for how well we've done so far. Really? So, yeah. I am I feel good about um, after finishing this chapter. And I know we said it in the last one where I was like bragging that oh, I feel like my feet are grounded. Right. I, have, I have a clear foundation of I where we are. I know everyone's names. Right. Right now in Fire and Blood. I, I felt that way in this chapter for sure. And uh, I think it was probably really helped by the way he sort of, we were talking about narratively jump from place to place. Mm-hmm. It just kept everything in context a lot better. And I didn't get Alyssa or Raina or I didn't call Raina in my brain accidentally Rainera or anything Whoops. like that. <laughs> and uh, for for all intents and purposes, revisiting uh, those at Casterly Rock, like re- revisiting those Lancers, I remembered a lot of the things that George revisited, like the things he reminded us about who fought for who and uh, like what, how that old alliance with Reyna would sort of be able to be rekindled easily. So I'm feeling pretty good about Fire and Blood right now. You said right before we recorded that we're a third of the way through the book now. Yeah, we're about a third of the way. So I'm excited about that and kind of what that means for, like you said, good for you. With your, you got your footing. I feel like I'm <sighs> reading text. Not is too better. far away from you. It's just better than the audiobook. I'm telling you. Oh my gosh, I had already pretty much given up the first time I listened to the audiobook at this point. Well, even on <laughs> information that you care about, it's hard not to just like lose your train of thought, or right. rather, find your real train of thought and tune out the stuff that's happening in the background. Right. So thanks for joining us on the journey, everyone. Yeah, thanks everyone, point. and come to Ice and FireCon if you uh, even want to a little bit, because uh, people are going to be coming in really hot because this has been rescheduled a few times. And so everyone's going to be really looking forward to hanging out. And uh, they've made a really cool program, and we feel really grateful to be included on a bunch of those panels. And uh, Hannah's flying in early on Friday to make it for some of those panels. From a different con. From a whole different con. A solar con. Yeah. Anybody want to do <laughs> do some it's deals? A, it's all about Dorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. Um, I wanted to read this quote Please. that kind of sums up the whole chapter, I feel like. And it happens here at the very beginning. And this is such a good one and done sentence of the chaos of this chapter. It says, The amnity and unity of purpose that enabled Jaehaerys, his sisters, and their mother to topple Magar the Cruel had begun to fray as long-simmering resentments and divisions made themselves felt. And I was thinking about, as we're reading the chapter, and I feel like the whole time we've been reading Fire and Blood, I've been thinking a lot about the importance of just like the strength of your squad, the, the strength of the people around you and the unity, because we only see success when people are really strongly tied together and they're united in purpose or when they're even united in proximity. And I think so much of the issue with Rogar and with Jaharis and with... Um, Raina. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared now. <laughs> anyway, so much of the... Raina of Dreamfire is her dragon. <laughs> She's called the Queen of the West. She also has a wall. couple more uh, nicknames. Listen. That they're featuring a song of madness. I forget it. All of her nicknames. Those are the ones I remember. Sorry, go on. The main issue, I think, is just the distance between them. Not only in purpose, but just also in phys- physically. And so I think Mm. that so much is lost in translation. And I think that I'm excited and looking forward to watching Jaehaerys and Alisan take the throne together as this unified thing. And they've spent so much time working on their relationship and their solidness that nobody could break them. And so I think that that is going to be the, this is a very obvious point, but that's going to be the only reason why things continue to work out for the Targaryens, I feel like. Because when there's so many different opinions and even as like Rogar is kind of messing with trying to crown other people, there has to be such a strong unified front at the top. And we've just seen that time and time again in Fire and Blood so far. And so it's made me just think a lot about how important it is to have your people. Yeah, your people really close to you, really strong, and not letting all these other people or opinions kind of infiltrate the main idea because that's when you start to go astray and Mm -hmm. that's when you start to see everything unravel. Right. And while Jaehaerys and Alison are like really kind of, 
don't know, I was kind of annoyed with them in this chapter. And I know, I know that he's not yet the guy, so there's not a lot that he can do. But they're just so far removed from everything that's going on. And yeah. so it makes me feel a little bit more for Alyssa and Rogar. I know that they made some mistakes, but I feel for them in this chapter because they're the ones getting the heat. Or they're the ones trying to at least get in front of the heat. Right. And I know that Jaharis and Alisan are preparing. And they're kind of trying to shore themselves up. But they're just, like, not participating, it feels like. I feel like a a, a big reason why so much of this interpersonal drama has turned into larger issues is because they're not dealing with a lot, really, especially compared to what leaders in the past or what people probably in Essos are dealing with. There's no real threat. Well, think about what was the real threat before. Septon Moon and the Moon Boys. That was, they're like, this is the largest threat to the realm right now. And Jaehaerys has just taken the throne and this is our biggest threat. And it's like, okay, well, we dealt with the barefoot pious folks when Magor was a king and for the most part if you remember the procession that they came out of the woodwork literally in in support of the new king for it seemed like it was all all but crushed the new high septon we've got still you know wishy-washiness with like mattius matthias septon matt hanging out and making us feel like there's not any I guess, long-term resolution. Like, it's still wiggly. They still have power and the ability to question what you're doing based on their own personal gain. Right. But it's it, it still feels like it's not much of a threat as it was before. For the most part, they're gone. Until, and, like, that north thing. There was that, yeah, like, exactly. small they, thing. A lot yeah. of them went to the wall, but that's a, sort of an isolated issue. Right. And so Septon Moon and his Moon Boys were, like, the ones that didn't go there mm-hmm. and that had their own thing going on outside of Old Town. And they're like, this is the biggest problem that we have. Right. And so now that we've dealt with them, which really they only needed to cut the head off their leader. So how big of a th- threat was it really? How big of a threat was it really? <laughs> I'm taking a margarita. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> how big of a threat was it really? For real, though. And in this one, how how big of an issue is their interpersonal drama? Clearly, it's enough for all of the. I mean, in the way George contextualizes it, you can't argue with the feelings that they have. Right. For sure. But still... The biggest thing that they're dealing with here outside of that is that they don't have enough money to do all the cool stuff that they want to do. Which the doesn't that kind of, I get it, but doesn't it kind of sound like like uh, first world problems a little bit? I guess you're right. I guess you're right on that front that there's no real threat to the kingdoms, and I guess really our only losses are interpersonal at this point. But those interpersonal things make them. To bite you down the road. They will when you especially have nothing else to bother you from, yeah. which is why people always talk about here at IRL that if an alien's invaded or if a global pan- wait, that did happen. If something, if like it's a war <laughs> or something, wait, that is happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if something yeah. really serious happened, then maybe we would find a reason to come together and stop bickering over interpersonal drama. Um, you know, maybe White Walkers is something that we always think about, at least in the context of A Song of Ice and Fire, but... Not to quote the the show that must not be named, or at least the season era that must not be named. We saw that when the White Walkers were at least displayed conveniently in the Dragon Pit in GOT, you know, people cared, but ultimately a lot of them still saw that as an opportunity to take advantage of stuff. We just saw Batman, you know, like Penguin at the end of yeah. Gotham City, like, mm-hmm, uh-huh. what shall I do in the disrepair, or disrepair in the smoking ruin? Chaos is a ladder. Exactly. And I must climb it out of the dragon pit that is not being built. And that's our problem right now. So it's money. And you were saying that Jaharis and Ali San are kind of like leaving everyone out to dry a little bit because they're not there, but they... They gave the power to the queen regent and to the hand of the king without question. And they're right. able to make unilateral decisions that they don't really have to worry about the consequences for. So right. at the same time, I don't really feel that bad for them. And at, at the same time as that, I think that Jaharis and Ali San, this is the best time for them to be doing the strengthening and the the tutelage that they that they need to do to actually do a good job at, at their jobs later. And he doesn't even have the ability to, to take his job right mm-hmm. now. It's so true. it's at the same time, like what, I don't think that your point was bad. I think that they, I mean, I think that it would have been shored up if they would have been around as well. But I do think that this is sort of like a worthy sacrifice that oddly enough, with all the narrative that George gives in this context, he doesn't really acknowledge that. Maybe that's meant for us to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, And, and that's fair. I mean, he can't be in charge right now he's too young i mean at the end of the day 
his mom is the one. And so he legally doesn't have the same authority. But it's just interesting to kind of watch. I think it it more so highlights that division of power. And I think that especially with someone like Rogar, who was really hurt, I wanted to read this thing about Rogar. And it says, a proud man, he had been stunned and angered at the ingratitude the boy king had regarded at the boy king he had regarded as a son and humili- humiliated <laughs> when forced to back down at the gates of Dragonstone before half a hundred men of his own men. Anyway, I butchered that. But the point is, is that Rogar's like this really proud guy who mm-hmm. I think has the interests of the realm for the most part at yeah. the heart. Like he's not, yeah. he seems... You really think that? Well, I think he has a little bit of an ego. And so I think that he definitely feels my way or the highway kind of yeah. thing. But I also understand the difficult position that you're being put in when you're given the opportunity. You're the one who's basically in charge. Yeah. And Jaharis is off making what a mistake, quote unquote, a mistake. That, one that brought them down before historically. One that brought them down before, you know, so he's kind of put in a tough position. And I think that difficult position plus his ego and his proudness. What was I saying? It just... Rogar, it brought him downfall, but I think awkward position. Yeah, he's put in an awkward position, but I think that like, oh, I was trying to say the dis, the physical distance highlighted Mm -hmm. between all of them, Mm -hmm. especially as folks kind of start coming to Jaharis and they're starting to travel to Dragonstone to hang out with him at the end as well, which is a big push. Yeah, and so they're starting to really. The people love Jaharis, and and they're, Rogar is trying to hold on to right. everything. And they're it's ignoring not Rogar right now, basically yeah. at the tail end of it. They're ignoring him because they know that he's, Jaharis is about to ascend to his rightful position, and Jaws not really cutting in. That's how I've been uh, referring to him in my notes. By really? the way, ja. I'm referring to him as Jay. Jay's right. good. <laughs> I like Jay. So Ja is Ja Rule. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of like cutting him out completely and I don't know if he would have always done this but he doesn't like him it's because of his mom and be, but also because of the marriage stuff yeah exactly cutting him out of conversations before so rather than if he would have just and he didn't need to do this obviously because they're in a much better position and as Alyssa says in this chapter I, I put it on our Twitter account earlier um, she's like yeah but they have dragons like these children they might be children but they have dragons right. so is Rena. but anyway I guess Jaharis didn't need to think about how to take care of Rogar in a way that made him feel included so he wouldn't do something like this, like potentially pitch another, what he did originally, like do the same thing again, another Targaryen to ascend to the throne that right. he could work for and thus... And mold. And mold. I need to find, I need to find the exact, because the exact quote was a little creepy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sort of lacked own self, his own self-awareness in that moment where in the context of Magor and all of the violence and bloodshed that was happening. Just the, in general, chaos, not knowing that that the the consolidation of power that had been built for the last 35 years or so, 40 years or so, uh, no, longer than that, almost 50 years, had uh, been for, like, a waste because it might all have fall- I thought she was going to sneeze. <laughs> Sorry, I was about to sneeze. Might all have been a waste because it would have all fallen apart. Um so they like uh, they did rally behind Rogar's idea of by the way this person should actually be the leader because it was the same idea the same structure that had been built before and so that idea sounded fine but now that someone that is in power technically but hasn't ascended to of to of age to be able to step into the role where their mom stops being the regent and they can be the active king and in the case of them that not everyone knows yet king and queen. Why would they listen to another tale right. of the same thing when ultimately at that point it sort of shines a light on what I thought was the true motivation, which was in my mind when you were saying earlier that you think that Rogar might actually be doing this because he believes in the realm. I would have believed that for a while. And I would have sort of looked past all the selfish stuff that he did that Jaharis looks down on. Because, I don't know, why not just do that stuff? Seems fun. Right, right. <laughs> You're a Baratheon, after all. You're from the Storm Lords, and you have Targaryen blood. It's all, it's all good. So why not have, like, a good time while you're being so unselfishly in service to the realm? But when you do this again, using another Targaryen 
it, it, I think it really does kind of shine a line on the true motivation, which is that you just want to be in that position and you presenting yourself as a person that's really the only person that has the ability to mold this new leader without really saying it, but sort of saying it. Um, again, I think kind of at that point fell upon people's ears a lot less stickily because they weren't dealing with all the, the chaos and the potential falling out of everything that had been built over the past several decades. Mm-hmm. Princess Aria, there is a fire in her Jaharis does not have. She's young, but I can call, I can continue as her hand, shape her, guide her, teach her all she must know. <laughs> Us going from a feast of dragons to fire and blood. She has a stronger <laughs> claim. Her mother and father were King Anus's first and second born. Jaharis was fourth. His fist slammed against the table. Then Benefer tells us her mother will support her, Queen Reyna, and Reyna has a dragon. Shape her, guide her, teach her all I must know. It's, right. And so, I mean, I think that that exactly highlights what you're saying. Yeah. He felt like he was the only one that... Or at least was trying to present it that way yeah. so it was sticky in sure. some way. Like, he's like, this is my usefulness to the situation. Because someone else could have said, okay, well, if she needs to be the ruler, then she can just be the ruler. Like, we can do it. Right. Or why, why does it have to be you? Again, clearly you're doing this because you're not happy with how you've lost control with the young king. It's so funny, though, because he's already in the position. So all he has That's to do... That's what's messed up about it. All he has to yeah. do is kind of keep his mouth shut about, again, something that... What do you think... Sorry, you go on. Well, all he has to do is keep his mouth shut about something that we know is could potentially be a major issue. Again, it's kind of, like, funny because it's a real issue. So it's not so black and what, white. What's a real issue? Why he's pissed off in the first place yeah. about the marriage between... Jaharis and Alassane. You think he's pissed off about the marriage being the thing that might shake the faith enough for the people to come after them or that they disrespected him at Dragonstone and thus disrespected his plans as well? It's not that they disrespected him at Dragonstone, but that only came came about because of the marriage thing. You know, so I think we can boil it down to that. Exactly. So it's a legit reason for there to be drama or discontention or... Wait, is that even a word? It sounded or just good. An, an issue. I thought about that too, but I like it. <laughs> but all he had to do was kind of, but then play it cool. But it's kind of a point. hard, fine line because you don't want to just be a yes man. Because what's the point of being handed the king if you're just going to say yes to everything? But he, yeah. he had kind of stayed. He seemed to spiral because of his hot headedness. And if he had just kind of taken a step back and watched it and wait and see how everybody responds and let Jaharis say things in his own time then he's going to continue to remain one of the most powerful men in the realm. Yeah, and not do, like, shrink into nothing, go to the wall. Into completely harming your reputation. Like, it makes me think about, this is so completely unrelated, but, um, well, actually, I'm not even going to, never mind. No, I was going to give you a football say analogy. It, say it, <laughs> There was this, like, really storied football player in BYU football history, mm-hmm. you know, legendary whatever then he came back as a coach and he was a terrible coach Mm. and he only lasted two years and it made me feel so sad for him because it's like he used to be the guy like head coach no he was the um offensive coordinator Mm -hmm. he used to be the guy was he qb yeah okay and now he's not the guy like and he tried to like relive his glory and then he just like totally messed everything up for him At the end, now he just has like this little bit of a black spot on his mm. resume. And that's kind of like Rhaegar a little bit here, Rogar a little bit here. It's like he has this really long and storied career, but then he has this one meltdown. And not, you know, it's not exactly the same. It was a, thing. not a good meltdown, though. In front <laughs> of the wrong people good. at the was, wrong time. It was the worst possible meltdown. How you do you not have. know Damon Valerian is just hanging out in the eaves the whole time? I know. For real. I know. How do you not understand that that's happening? How do you not have an idea of context? How do you not think about what happened at Dragonstone in the first place? I guess he just sort of hoped that his speaking very clearly and directly like he did at Dragonstone throwing his weight around would be the thing that carried it. But at the same time, it's like it's like you said before, it's about at the beginning of the whole conversation. If that squad is not there, then you're not going to get it. You're not. It's just not like no matter how good your words end up sounding, it's just not going to be there unless you have the squad or at least hangers on and he didn't even have the support of his wife fully at this point you know because she had conceded at this point and just kind of been even recently you know hands off and and so i wonder if he and Alyssa had been a little bit more united as they had been in the beginning when they first went to dragonstone to kind of maybe she could have tempered his temper (laughs) but 
It takes a special kind of asshole to scheme against your kids. And I never got that vibe. Really George kid. never wrote oh, Alyssa, Alyssa like that. Yeah, true. Exactly. You know? Exactly. She just was scared. Yeah. You know, she was just a mom who was trying to protect her children. Still a Targaryen, still political, but not ever on the edge enough to be brutal. Right. Like that. Especially when it came to her family. So Yeah, or let alone her kids. Yeah. Probably more okay with the family. But kids, that's that's a weird one. And Rogar doesn't have any kids of his own. I guess that probably doesn't help with contextualizing it from that point of he view. He thought Jaehaerys was his son. He didn't he even like Jaehaerys train. at all. <laughs> Jaehaerys was like what Rayla would be to him. Yeah. Just like, hey, a means to an end. Like one that allowed him to be in the position to have as much fun as he did. I mean, the body good time that he had at the Golden Wedding, I guess we should just say it directly. Um, I mean, you know it, I know it. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably read the chapter. But if you didn't, um, George talks about how, and he didn't talk about this before, like during the, the during the the year of the three brides chapter, he didn't say that Jaharis was aware or looked down on Rogar's activity, and he did in this chapter. So while while Jaharis was in his solar meeting with those people, Rogar was making the eight basically, or maybe even the fourteen, some con- some some version of that, and uh, I guess it didn't seem. At the same time, it was his sort of like wedding time. So I understand and I, everyone understood. And that's why it was sort of supported and not gone into, I think, in that chapter. But now recontextualizing. See, that's the thing about messing up your situation. If you do that and then you do other bad stuff, then the thing that you did before are going to be looked back on with less kind eyes. Exactly. What I was trying to say about all those gr- little maidens he couldn't get through, right. you know, it's so... If Jaharis only knew that part, too, yeah, he'd you know? disrespect him even more. Yeah. <laughs> 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 little did we know it's going to play into a larger thing. So. Right. And but it did. It, it because does. He, because he tried to do... He tried to be sneaky. Right. Well, and what struck to me, too... So what struck me, too, is a short amount of time that all of this really took place in because mm-hmm. you get to the end of the chapter and... It's like Rogar was thinking about two years before when he had entered to fight Magor. Just two years, man. Two years for the wedding. I mean, for all of this, it's so much to happen. Like this rise and fall so quickly. Yeah. I was just really struck by how short of a timeline that was for him. And he didn't even get to inherit a throne that had a bunch of extra money to do a bunch of cool stuff. Right. He this, didn't even get the dragon pit. Yeah. I thought that was weird that he wanted the dragon pit built so bad. Was it just to seem like he had something done, like sort of like build the wall kind of energy? To- I think totally. Cause, I guess it had nothing to do with restraining the dragons, did it? No, but I think it had to do with... Pressing his wife or no, something? No, because... Not Dragonstone. King's Landing had is no still getting built up, you know? And and there's I think, no real roost for dragons there. Yeah, and when you have buildings with their name on it, I think to the common folk that seems cool. If it's all scaffoldy too. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. If he was sort of responsible for making something that would last for generations, that would be kind of cool. And something that seems to, you know, this affects my daily life as a common person. Yeah, we look at the dragon pit. <laughs> I don't know, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, yeah, I know what you mean. The, I would, he should have built like really good outhouses, how they did in the Roman Empire, like cool having like really awesome something. bathhouses all over the place. I, I know. forget the name of the emperor that did that. But instead they just try to tax them. That was that guy that was, was scrambling. Yeah, what was that guy's name? Keltigar, Edwin Kel- Edwell Keltigar. I remember that. How about that? Impressive. I'm <laughs> well, like, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> Edwell Keltigar worked with Magor, and then and ra- he was one of the people. Rather than being shoved off to the side in the last chapter, they like brought him in and they took him away from being hand. I think I think that's what he was. I don't remember that, but they made a master of coin. and He made a couple bad decisions. Like, of course, like the most lazy decision that people in power do make, where they're like taxes. Well, yeah, but let's not ta- let's not tax people that are important that are going to get mad at us. Like, let's tax the small folk. So, the small folk stopped hanging out more freely, and then they also tripled the taxation at ports, for example. So, what happened because of that? We're probably going to see the uh, ramifications of unless Jaharis magically fixes it, as he does most gas things. prices went up in the next chapter. Uh, unless, like I said, unless Jaharis magically fixes right. it, we're going to see that. Uh, the the other towns like Maidenpool and uh, Cashley Rock becoming uh, or sorry Lannisport um, and I forgot the third one but we it's 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 another one that is like uh, really mixed up in the um, the sort of like ref- geographical referencing of places and uh, especially in a Feast for Crows and there's a lot of activity in the sort of like mid Westerosi region I forget what it was it's a really obvious town but anyway. Um, 
these towns are like now being bolstered more because their port activity is more attractive. It even says so in the chapter. It briefly mentions the fact that trade is just kind of dwindling to a halt for King's Landing. Well, it's mostly because yeah. of that, though. Like, yeah. how are you going to raise taxes so much on a place that you're also making less cool for people to hang out in? The money thing is such an issue, though, because they just don't have... Where do you draw that from? I mean, they're so in debt from all these wars and weddings. Gotta get the Lannisters' power. I know. Or at least dragon eggs. Where does he... I don't know. This is... The Iron Bank would be a source, but at that point, I don't really know how... I mean, that seems like sort of a glaring hole because they do have some collateral and that they all have dragons and, like, they have a new ruler that everyone likes. Like, have Jaehaerys meet with them. Reach out to Jaehaerys. Or why don't they just print more money? Yeah. My favorite thing, when people yeah. are like, oh, man, the yeah. economy, it's like, just print more money. Right? <laughs> it's the most annoying thing you can say. I know, but at least, like, you can say that about modern <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah. At least. You'd have to mine it. you have to mine some kind of gold or gemstones later. Or enslave people and use that as free labor. Like, that's one pipeline. Mm-hmm. But then you got to go get the slaves and bring them back and you got to feed them. So, honestly, at the end of the day, once you factor in all the the cost and uh, maintenance, like, you're probably getting, like, a very small margin mm-hmm. versus what it would be just to find a really good gold mine or to grudgingly give people from Casterly Rock more power. Well, and the those peop- crafty individuals. Those land- the Lannisters. Keep them away from us. They're looking for more power. So of we course. see— Reyna, when she heads over there, I thought that whole thing made me LOL because Women. when she escaped from oh, yeah. Fair Isle, because mm-hmm. what's his name? was like well, She was kicked out of Fair Isle. Well, yeah, yeah. She, there, he was like, you can't be here anymore. You and your Franklin whole squad. Farming. Franklin's like, GTFO, get out of here. My sister is going to stay here and get married. Bring your little girly husband with you and mm-hmm. My never brother. look back. And she, it's like 40 of her and her hangers on. Left yeah. to go hang out with the Lannisters. Right. And it's like getting kicked out of like an area of a hotel or something. That's not a good example. No, but it's like no. you're the party. They talk so much right. about how she I was, was the center. Yeah, she was the center of court life mm-hmm. and then she gets kicked out. I thought that whole thing, I really enjoyed reading those those portions. Me too. But she heads to Casterly Rock. Kind of you were saying at the beginning of the episode, she knew she could be sheltered there and mm-hmm. A previous alliance. Another thing I thought was funny, she shows up with so many people and they immediately... Throw a feast. Throw a feast. And they also stay for a month. It's like, where are you going to stay? There's extra room, man. I know, but it's just so... It's such a wild concept that I feel like that really put it shed light into those scenarios in my head. Anyway. There's a really great uh, piece. I've probably talked to you about this before, but it makes me think about how in uh, Leonardo da Vinci's life, like when he would work for different kingdoms, basically... Or different towns, uh, different, I say kingdoms, but it's like any kind of like a commonwealth of power, like a, like a town or the seat of a kingdom, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. They would uh, they would give him like a string of apartments. Yeah. To, yeah. He had like one to live in. He had like friends that like were part of his his con- his uh, his hangers on basically. And also they needed like workspace. Or one to play Rick- bagpipes real- in. Yeah, exactly. Like that guy who lives down the street from you. Exactly. Someone <laughs> down from the street from me bought a fi- old firehouse. And he, all he does is play bagpipes. I'm going to make friends <laughs> with that guy. Uh, he's like, I need a place that's secluded enough to play bagpipes in that no one's going to be bothered by it. But still, you could, bagpipes are so aggressive. You can still hear it uh, beyond the walls of the firehouse. But that's what happened here. They went to Castle Rock, and they're like, we have, we have like loft apartments ready right. for you guys. And the amenities are, are available to you. But keep in mind, it wasn't a... Um, I can't think of a place in the realm that would give them, really. Maybe if they went all the way up to Winterfell. They would get, like, a little bit of frigidness, but mm-hmm. ultimately, if they liked you, they would sort of, like, open-handedly give you something. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, I can't think of a lot of places in the realm that would give you something, well, especially even, not here. Especially not here. Yeah, and not I think that Reyna thought and hoped that, and for a while, they could just kind yeah. of make a soft landing, but then people started talking, and they wanted mm-hmm. things, and it was very clear that the Lannisters, for good reason, are really trying to grab more power. You have to seize the opportunities that are given to you, and you have this— Do you have to, we don't or have to, should you? But take a—if I was one of—if I was a Lannister guy, what was his name? I can't remember. If I, I was him, him, and the Queen in the West shows up on my doorstep, I'm going to— Try to get in with that. You know what I mean? It would be such a shame to just sit back and let it all play out. Anyway, lots of people were trying to like... He didn't want to just play it out, though. He wanted their... Sorry, I said the wrong thing. He didn't want just to like get in with them. He wanted dragon power. Right. Because he has like his own thoughts. He's like, I'm smarter than the people out east. I mean, 
he doesn't know how crafty Jaharis is about to be and also doesn't know how much training he's had, how he could like pretty much beat Magor, which can, and that was said in this chapter, everyone, for God's sakes. I forget who said it. Classic. But someone who knew Magor was like, I think it was one of the, one of the, uh, the, the Septons. People. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was one of the Septons. Yeah. I could be wrong. That had previous experience with the Targaryen dynasty before they went to Dragonstone with, uh, with Jaharis. But they said, if you were in single combat, with Magor, I'd put my money on you. Talk about just if I, if we thought Jaharis was getting extra context for no reason before. I, know. I mean, but in his defense, apparently he's doing like incredibly hard training every single day, which and getting pummeled, getting pummeled, yeah, getting battered by all the different members of his King's Guard, which we've already like previously been described as having different disciplinary skills with weapons. So that's cool. I mean, like if you are fighting these different kinds of uh, swordsmen, spearsmen, you got like ranged weaponry and you're not really asking them to pull too many punches. And like, they're also, the thing that I really liked is when they, uh, they had that chant that they would yell whenever like yeah. a, a mortal blow was like, uh, uh, figuratively done on him. They would say, all hell, the, the king is the dead. The king is dead. All hell, the king. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of jibing, that kind of like, uh, just ribbing is the kind of thing that like, helps a person in those positions like someone like a Commodus from Gladiator or someone like Joffrey like would never get treated with which creates that separation of being like completely unrelatable it's fun energy yeah it makes you like more grounded mm-hmm. way more down to earth and like able to communicate with I mean really all levels of people not just high born folks but also being able to like communicate easily with the small folk and if anything like especially when you're dealing with people from places like old town or even like imagine like a, a carthine representative comes like being able to just cut through the bullshit and have the kind of context that that comes with being made of made fun of by the guys that are your like your servants mm-hmm. like talk about protectors. down to earthness like they yeah. listen to everything you say and yet they're like Fucking with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're not getting any, apparently, at the same time. <laughs> or maybe you are. Yeah, for maybe. Practice. So what do you think about that? Do you think that... Do you think that the... Uh, the... What's her name? Wild Girl? Yeah, the Wild... Corianne Wild. Uh, or any of the other... Uh, handmaidens that were sent to disrupt and spy. It was like a joint effort by Lady Alyssa mm-hmm. and Rogar earlier in the chapter. Handmaidens and septas sent to potentially disrupt the idea of those two staying married. Both. By piousness. Yeah. By Lust. Uh, sexiness. <laughs> yeah. By also just... We're going to hit every angle. <laughs> every angle. This is actually a pretty good idea, though. Like, just giving... And we get a lot of context. This is super, super savvy by George to put in there that that uh, Alison had not really had a normal childhood where she was exposed to a lot of different people. And so maybe she felt like she, he doesn't come right out and say this, but it's sort of implied that like maybe Alison like just didn't have anyone to rely on. So she thought that like Jaharis was her only option. And so maybe by giving her like friends, really, so it was like girls for Jaharis and then friends for her, which right. I mean that's so that's that's so funny. It's really <laughs> smart. I I was struck by um Alison's childhood and in her description she was bright but unremarkable is essentially what her description was about her. Is anyone remarkable really? It just it was other than physically like cool looking. I felt like with how much fanfare is around and how much build up we have to their role in the chapter, in these chapters, in this book. Yeah. It just struck me really hard that she was described as unremarkable. And we just don't have a lot of information about her. She's about to be remembered for hundreds of years. (laughs) Sure, we just didn't have a lot of information about her. But I think your point is correct, and I think that was a really smart move on their part. And I Super smart. I mean, it could have worked, because if you don't have anyone to depend on, or you don't have any contacts, or... They're young. You don't have anyone to, like... You think that, like, if you're, it's like kind of like not Stockholm syndrome, sort of like that, where it's like, this is the only thing I have, and therefore it's good and like the best thing, and I'll give everything I have to this. So they're trying to, like, uh, just add some variety that would shake up the the dedication. Right. They're young, they're kids. Who's to say? I mean, 
It didn't work. That's just to say. It didn't. It didn't work. I mean, yeah. you were asking if Jairus did it. Oh <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I hope he did. Like, well, yeah. Which particular uh, angle? Can you tell everyone like what the context were? Like what they potentially could have been. I was going to say while I pee, but I'm going to hold it. You have to pee? Sorry. Maybe you should while I figure out what they were. You can't remember? Well, there was the one that we talked about at the beginning where it was she was giving, helping him give practice. And then there was... He slept with all of them. Yeah, he slept with all of them. There was where he refused them. Alessandra helped out yeah, with the practice. There's lots of different options, but... Yeah, there were I mean, options. they're young. They're having a good time. Like, Jaharis is painted as such a god. I feel like it would be kind of nice if... Something happened, you know? Like, Dragonstone's like summer camp. Especially yeah. when they send them. If anything, it just made it more fun to stay there. The vibes just kind of feel high every time we talk about Dragonstone. And so because I just, they're so disciplined, right? And they're just far away and they're kids and they're kind of on a little sabbatical. Mm-hmm. And Alison like talks about how... Well, <laughs> they quarantined for like two years. Yeah, they did, but they did it in a good way because they went somewhere cool. I went and, to the Dominican Republic and I hung out on a beach line for two years and right. I had a good time. We tried. <laughs> we did the poor man's version of that. Anyway, Allison talks about, she says, many years from now, when we are old and gray, we shall look back upon these days and smile, remembering how happy we were. So obviously it was a good yeah, time. Yeah, they're going to you know? miss those days. Of course they're going to miss these days because she's like, yeah, I miss that cave. We're going to go back to, <laughs> we're going to go back to King's Landing and she's like, I'm never going to have time with you ever again because yeah. everyone's going to demand your attention. Yeah, everyone's going to want a piece. And here I'm the one. I have got to get a piece yet. Yeah. Yeah. So I think regardless, and like you were saying, it's a good point. They're doing everything they can to get ready to rule and... Almost ridiculously, though, right? Smart, though. Super Instead smart. of being thrust into it like every other ruler proceeding, every other Targaryen proceeding it. Like Tommen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he has a, he has opportunity to really shore himself up physically, spiritually, mentally, relationshiply. You know, I think that that's smart. And so kind of like we were saying at the beginning... It's all about who's in your corner. And if he's able to really solidify those relationships, there's a point in the chapter that kind of teased how what was going to come under fire was not physically a physical thing, but Jaharis and Alisan's relationship was going to be under fire. And, you know, whether or not they consummated it, is that what you mean? Or there was a line that said, so he's training hard for whatever trials come his way as a new king. And it says, but little, basically, but little did he know it was his worth. As a man and his love for his little queen that would be put to the test. Mm. Anyway, they're getting ready to prepare for whatever things come their way. And I think that that's smart to kind of solidify their team. But maybe I'm just jealous. I don't know. I mean, I definitely am (laughs) for sure. I think that it makes sense that they're more stalwart than most people going into leadership because they did come up around... Magor's BS. So many mistakes. And even his own dad was not the strongest guy. And he's yeah. so afraid of being like his dad. Yeah. And so there's a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder to do well. But I just, I really enjoyed this chapter because it was very chaotic, but in a really fun way. And we have all these players and there's a lot of figuring out to do as the realm is so new still, but they're coming up on the 50 year anniversary and we're right at the cusp of Jaharis really being able to take over. And so just thought that George wrote this chapter in such a fun and, and different way because typically we're just used to in A Song of Ice and Fire him focusing on one area at a time per chapter, you know? So it's yeah, kind of fun true. to get the jump around that we don't usually get from the text with him. So I wanted to talk about the Starks for a second and uh, the Walton Stark taking over for Brandon Stark and then he dying. Having a giant pull, the giant pulled him apart, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then uh, Alaric Stark, who we've we've read about in Asuaf, like being the guy who's watching over Winterfell whenever the the famous visit of Alisson to like uh, Queen's Crown happens, and uh, like the just the further context on like what the vibe is up at the wall. And also a little bit more context on how, like, more fresh and wild the wildlings are right now. Uh-huh. With giants not being, like, a—it's so weird that giants are, like, a, a rumor. But I guess it would make sense, especially with the Sins of the Flesh stuff happening. And, like, how that—like, did any of this even happen? Or was Rogar even a real person being alive? Like, why they would be questioning a, 
about like whether or not giants existed at the time of a song of ice and fire totally. but as this reads that they basically just like i don't i don't know if this is like just a kind of inconsistency from the author because like he thought he would make giants more like mythical in a song of ice and fire originally because he wrote it like starting in like 1990 basically which is at this point, Jesus Christ, George was a much younger man <laughs> yeah. at that point. But, like, there was giants just, like, a day's ride, like, less than a day's ride, like, outside the wall, basically. Right, at this point, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the wildlings, uh, I guess, you know, at least talked like they were cannibals because they, they said that they uh, ate people. <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, just I, I just like the... I like more context on the stuff that we know about. And... If you if you were reading this, imagine you weren't reading a song, you didn't have any knowledge of a song of ice and fire before. Like I don't know about you, but I would be so freaking intrigued by like what one million a wall percent and like all the bad guys from before are hanging now, out there. They just got sent there, and like some of them were against each other, mm-hmm. but they're like, nah, we got this. Like let's just take over shit. And now there's giants and people on the other side of the wall. A million percent, I yes. had that same thought yeah. of just how. It gives Winterfell even more of like this. I mean, Winterfell already has such a little magical place in our heart. This yeah. gives it a little bit more of a mystical, magical color sure. to it. Yeah, not just like Brandon Stark's vibe or the Stark's yeah. vibe in general, but like on top of that, this. Right. Like if you're going to, I know that they're adapting later on in this book for uh, Hot D, but like show me two giants being killed. Right. I mean, you know, you know what I mean? I don't want to see giants die, but you see what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. it's more exciting. The action. It's because that's more. F- well, okay, never mind. I was going to say that's more fantastical than the uh, political intrigue happening at King's Landing, but, but I'm forgetting about the dragons. There's literally dragons, though. So, right, But also, like, <laughs> now that we've been through, like, a lot of the sort of splishy, splashy, like, bits of uh, A Song of Ice and Fire in the latter seasons, maybe it was because of how they were depicted, I don't know, but now we've been through that, it's like, I kind of, like, find myself wishing for that S1, S2, S3 whispering in the hallways shit that, like... TV shows still try to do to this day, but they really can't quite nail it. I've told you this, but uh, I'll just say it for everyone listening. The show that I found to, like, have the most, uh, like, actually, like, understanding of what Game of Thrones did and try to reproduce it is the Righteous Gemstones Mm. and, like, how their family members talk to each other as they're planning their church's empire. And, like, the cool little sets that they have and, like, how ridiculous some characters are, but yet they still, like, hammer home, like, their dumb points. It's like... There's something about Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire in general where they, George in this case, and then also uh, David and Dan uh, and Brian and Dave, were aware of the faults of these characters. And a lot of modern stories are like not really giving every character faults. They're just like really pigeonholing certain characters into being like cartoonishly faulty. And then like some people are just so badass. Right, right. It's like they can be badass while also having faults. Right. And that's something that, like, um, I don't know, like I said, it was really, like, understood in gemstones. They almost, like, they're, like, all faults. They're, like, 85% fault with, like, a little bit of heart in there, which uh, is cool. And, they, like I said, they've, if you haven't watched that, it's it's a comedy. It's ridiculous. But, like, just the sets alone and the conversations that they have, it's a totally different time period, a totally different world, but, like, the same energy. Like, a family with, like, a hangers-on and, like, potential power and, like, things that they could do with their influence and wealth, but that they can't quite pull off because they suck a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Which is literally what we're talking about <laughs> totally. right here. Yeah. Can I just say, I think we covered everything. Should we go on to owns? Wow. Yes, we shall. <laughs> <laughs> you ready? Uh, Yeah. Took a short bathroom break, so we had to transition out of that. <laughs> bathroom Blake, or Blake, bathroom <laughs> super break. Super smooth right now, Some dude. injuries. Yeah, I cut my arm just now on a brick wall. <laughs> so, what are you doing there? Is that, you got something? My own. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> my well, notes for the chapter. <laughs> okay, I didn't know what that was. I just looked at that, I was like, this doesn't look like anything to me. Mm-hmm. So those are your notes, huh? Wow. How come you didn't talk about any of that? I did. I did every single <laughs> I'm, thing. I'm kidding. I can't read it. I have to get it. I can't read. We need a, another contact sponsorship. Otherwise, I'm not going to get contact lenses again. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so uh, what is your own? My own for the chapter is kind of mean, but it is what it is. My own for the chapter is 
Raina describing Andrew Farman. It says later when asked why she had chosen such an unpromising spouse, Raina Targaryen replied, he was kind to me. <laughs> Which I feel like is like kind of a damning thing to say. So that made me LOL. Some people might like that. I know, but it was just like, that's all she could say about him. But really she liked his dad and his sister. You know, he's like, he was a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that made me LOL. So I'm making that my own. Okay. What's yours? I'm going to give my own to uh, that sister. Lady Alyssa, who was secretly getting it in with Raina the whole time. Right. <laughs> Props to her. <laughs> the real squad. Props to her for being like a proto-Aria as well, which I hate to pigeonhole like uh, atypical women as like the same thing, but I feel like George did it first. So, okay. Do you know what we didn't talk about? Sorry, before I go into your next no, one. No, go on. It's how powerful their little, the foursome were. Dude, the four heads. Yeah. Slash five heads sometimes when her boy's hanging around. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, that was the other thing. Okay, that's the other thing I wanted to put on my own. So she, she, um, Raina took her, took every single one of her friends flying on her like dragon. Like 40 people. But never, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah. never once her man. I know, yeah. Like, but they said it's maybe because he didn't want to. I know, but still, it's like, he's nice. And also he never rides my dragon. Yeah. It sounds like they had a lot of fun, honestly, on Fair Isle, to <laughs> it be does. honest. It does. Yeah. No, I like them more uh, than most. I mean, I like what Jaharis and Alexander are doing for sure. But I mean, that might be too intense for a lot of people. I think that, like, a lot of people probably turned off, honestly. Uh, whereas I really like the intensity of what right. Jaharis is doing. Um, I think a lot of people probably think that that's, and that, like, that that's dumb. Right. That he's subjecting himself to that. And I totally get that point but of view, But Fair too. Isle is just a, it just sounds a like hang. a party. Yeah, no, it's a hang. Uh, I know it wasn't totally like that. He should have adapted this era of the show. Yeah, we, have, we haven't gotten to the other part yet, though. So I will be very curious to see when we finish at the end like how we feel. How we feel which part should have really yeah, been adapted. Yeah. Since we're in charge. Meanwhile, so many folks on Twitter are like, enough of the Targaryen shit. I mean, I kind of... Right. Agree. Yeah, you get it. But at the same time, like, you, you go through this and it's like, well, I mean... Compared this to what I mean, Winterfell, the North, the Giants. Come on, you're, you're right, and that's that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. but this is within the Targaryen shit, at least. I guess that yeah. stuff is. It's in Fire and Blood, right? True. It is in Fire and Blood. I mean, it's either that or the new Gossip Girl, which I did really like. But I'm saying, like, there's only so much TV time, you know. Right. So why not have I'm um, unlimited? All right, I'm gonna move on. <laughs> You can't just have a whole network of, like, the adaptations of the stuff that Why you not? like. Why <laughs> not? Because we haven't made it there yet. We're getting closer and closer to everyone getting exactly what they want. Um, shout out to Corey and Wilde for basically living out the life that ha- that was depicted within the sins of the flesh, the high and the low, a wanton's tale, and the wickedness of men. But all versions bear the subtitle, a caution for young girls. <laughs> that is so. Which is my other quote. Such a my primer. Such a uh, like those schoolgirl primers from the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Can you imagine a caution for young girls? Right. I don't want to talk crap about anyone who has kids that like wants to expose them to stuff like that. I mean, like the only caution I have for the the thing that I'm responsible for is like, don't get me involved with you talking to other dogs, man. Right. <laughs> You're slowing me down. <laughs> but as far as like, you know, what you like, dude, like what you like. And Strike likes a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, honorable mention to um, Mark Farman, who choked on a fishbone and died a little bit after. Rest in a, peace. A little bit a year after, a little bit over a year after uh, Andrew, Andrew, and uh, Raina got married. Um, and he was always really nice to them, which I think was must that must that year must have been even more satisfying for everyone involved. Uh, but also shout out to George for having Franklin Farman being put in a cod full of freshly caught or a hold full of freshly caught cod. They didn't he didn't say whether or not the guy died, but I'd like to imagine he drowned and or was like you know those fish that clean your feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like slowly nibbled to death by all these right. freshly caught cod. That's what I'm fish saying. Fishbone, fish hold. That whole sequence of events between the four-headed dragon, the fish scenarios, the how he underestimated that people really loved Raina and Alyssa. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that her name? Yeah, Alyssa. Yeah, no, I was thinking of a different... Yeah, Alyssa. Yeah, the, Lady his, Alyssa. Yeah, his, yeah a farm, his Alyssa Farman, yeah. It's just that whole sequence. It 
kind of reminded me for absolutely no reason. Never mind. You know in Pirates of the Caribbean when they're on the docks? Oh, this is good. No. I don't know why it reminded which me doc, of that. Which dock scene? The part when um, Elizabeth is captured by Jack Sparrow. Oh, the first The, the first very one. first one, yeah. Yeah, when they're up on the cliff wall? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it gave me that kind of energy, but it's like the fish smell and kind of fighting and whatever. It doesn't make, make any sense that I would make that conclusion, but I just thought it was a really fun sequence, and that was another moment to add to that. Got it. <laughs> you always remember this, this is the day that you almost... Blah! Got through an own segment without weirdness. All right, now it's time for us to read some own sent by y'all. We're going to start this one out with an email sent to us from Mike McCann, classic, uh, for the year of the three brides, and then we'll move on to an own for this current chapter. I'm going to start it, and I'm going to pass my phone back and forth to Hannah, and we're going to read this thing. Hold up. I was not expecting this chapter to be what it was and definitely wasn't expecting to enjoy it so much. A lot of people about fire and blood in general. Mm-hmm. This is as much a tale of love and happiness as it is about political drama. First of all, I love the whole wedding between, he says Roger. I know that it was autocorrected, but I like that. Between Roger and Alyssa, anyone else getting major Robert vibes from Roger? I mean, I know he's a Baratheon, but come on, he's even described basically the same. And that double-sided great axe is so similar to Robert's great hammer. Sure. Particularly loved the entrance of the children. It was the arrival of the children, me too, dude, of the, that set King's Landing to talking for years to come. King Jaehaerys and Princess Alison were the last to appear. You know, it didn't correct Jaehaerys or Alison to a weird word. Maybe he did just type Roger. Uh, maybe the UK version of this book, Rogar, is just called Roger because maybe <laughs> Rogar is normal for them and, like, Roger is actually more exotic. <laughs> Please let us know in a follow-up email. We're the last to appear, descending from a bright sky on their dragons, Vermithor and Silverwing. The dragon pits still lack the great dome that would be its crowning glory. It must be recalled. These, Their great leather wings stirring up clouds on sand as they came, they came down side by side, the awe and terror of the gathered multitude. Like, how badass of an entrance is that? Imagine that in a TV show. It would be epic. Jaehaerys really came into his own this chapter, and I really started to respect him a lot more. I think he had the right balance of kind but fair and stern when he needed to be. Quote, Jaehaerys the Conciliator is rightly honored in the annals of the Seven Kingdoms for his calm demeanor and even temper. But let no man think that the fire of the Targaryens did not burn in his veins. He showed it then, when Septon... Matthias finally paused for a breath. The king said, I will accept chastisements from her grace, my mother, but not from you. Hold your tongue, fat man. If another word passes your lips, I will have them sewn shut. Paul Trades. Just wow. The whole stand-up with the king's guard is iconic, and I can imagine that perfectly. That truly was the best king's guard there ever was. The whole runaway marriage thing I found incredibly endearing. Yes, I know they're siblings, but they're Targaryens, <laughs> so I'm used to it at this point. It was such a sweet moment, and even when they... Are face down seven to one. They stood their ground. Send me to the ends of the earth. I forgot about this. I love I this forgot moment. There were so <laughs> Send me to <laughs> okay. oh, whoops. Send me to the ends of the earth and wed me to the king of Massavoy or the lord of the gray waste. Silverwing will always bring me back to Jaehaerys. And with that, she raised herself to her toes and lifted her face to the king, and he kissed her full on the lips while it's all looked on. The only time Jaehaerys ever got some. My heart melts. How sweet of a moment that is. How sweet of a moment is that? I have no idea what era house of the dragon takes place but i want to see this nice well uh it's not this one my own has to go to rogar it says rogar here to being the og robert and just not giving a shit he's a little here's a little quote that i can totally imagine robert saying lord baratheon was having none of it i have seen your daughter rogar said to keltigar they have no chins no teats and no no sense what a guy crying laughing emoji tilted to the side Hope you guys are well. Recently got so drunk on a night out, I lost my phone, keys, and somehow even my shoes. I don't know either. All the best, Mike from England. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. (laughs) I hope uh, whoever found your shoes made good use of them. Do you remember the lost shoes from New York Comic Con? No. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was that was quite a tale. Uh, moral of the story is... Come to Ice of Firecom, we'll tell you it. Yeah, come to Ice of Firecom, we'll tell you all about the missing shoes. Uh, if you uh, do take off your shoes, just try to keep an eye out on them. <laughs> you know? Like, try to f- keep a visual I hope you got them point. back, Mike. And here's an own from Travis Cole for this chapter. I'm ahead in Ice and Fire now. My dog had diarrhea last night, so I just <gasps> stayed up and kept reading. <laughs> just finished Birth, Death, and Betrayal under King Jaehaerys I, and I'm really falling in love with this book. Thank you for doing a read-through because I couldn't. 
get past the third or fourth chapter in my first attempt a few years back. I'm so glad. Thanks, Neither dude. could we. Just kidding. <laughs> I got through it. Just, yeah, we did. I, yeah. It's more fun this way. So. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, not me. <laughs> uh, and here's his own. He says, my own first surfeit of rulers goes to the mention of ice being used to behead Sir Oliver Bracken after he co-led the rebellion on the wall with Sir Raymond Mallory by Lord Walton Stark. Unfortunately for Walton, he was torn apart by giants after chasing the rest off. The rebels. Oh, oh, sorry. After chasing the rest of the rebels beyond the wall. He did slay two of them before he is untimely end, though, which is my second own. Wow, an own within an own. So good. Taking two giants down with him. That's not so bad. Thanks to everyone for uh, listening, and thanks to Michael and Travis for hanging out with us in the offseason and sitting in their owns. I just want to say that we are going to talk about George's last big blog post and his update on wins and his update on new spinoffs and just in general the uh, adaptations in the universe of Song of Ice and Fire that he's uh, continuing to put energy into because we got a we got a pretty big update if you haven't seen it we retweeted it on our Twitter page and we retweeted uh, some of y'all's reactions to it as well if you're interested in going and reading it yourself and not waiting for us to talk about it um, you can do that but uh, there's stuff moving and we still don't have a release date for Hot D which, Which is, is fine. curious. It's got to be coming soon. Yeah. I mean, I have, honestly I have no idea what to expect. I, I thought that I had a sort of idea of what to expect. But to be honest, like, we're all just kind of, like, used to what has been coming. And no one's really an expert. We're just, like, living in the minds and bodies that we were in coming up through the 20-teens. And this, this is a whole new ballgame. We really don't – I don't know what to expect. All I know is I hope that it, the release date for – House of the Dragon gets released through a block of ice. <laughs> That's all I hope for. So. Can you imagine? Yes, I because wanted, we lived through it. <laughs> I want it to be like uh, written in the sky from the flames of an actual dragon. Ooh, fun. Yeah. Okay. I want them to actually get an actual dragon for this one. Not a fake one. Good luck. What else is there to talk about? Ice and Firecon. Iceandfirecon.com for your tickets. Uh, use code GU if there's still a place to use the code. Uh, sorry, I don't have better information on that. Could have double-checked, but I will for the next episode. Um, if you at all are considering going, please come and hang out with us and say hi. That would be fun. Like I said, there's a pool. I mean, I don't really know what else I could say to sweeten the deal for you. I don't looking, have a pool. Right. There is a pool there. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to seeing people after so long. Yeah. So it's going to be a really, really fun time. Yeah. You can find us on social media if you want to send us an own, if you want to tweet us about Ice and Firecon, if, you know— you lose your shoes or whatever, just let us know. You can find us. If you found Mike's shoes, also <laughs> tell us. Um, uh, just look for Game of Owns on Twitter, on Instagram, and then you can also send us an email to contact at gameofowns.com. That's it, right? That's it. Our That's next it. chapter is called... A Time of Testing, The Realm Remade. Jaharis arrives in King's Landing, and we're off. Can't wait. He's coming in with all of his new muscles. Mm-hmm. He knows how to please even the most anyway okay i'm out y'all have a good (laughs) (laughs) we'll see you in the next episode bye